I'm Jenny Detweiler, and I invite you to come and join me as we take a pause in our busy day and pursue soul care, as we allow our bodies to slow down and our minds to be renewed with goodness, truth, and hope. This is PRN. Pause. Renew. Next. Hello, friends. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. In our last episode, we began to talk about the role of memory in understanding and being able to narrate our own stories. If you didn't get to listen to that episode, I hope you'll go back and check it out. In today's episode, we're going to be continuing that conversation by talking about two specific kinds of memory, implicit and explicit, and how both of those kinds of memory affect the understanding and telling of our stories. But before we jump into that, we are going to do a slowdown and centering activity, just like we always do. For today's, you're going to need both of your arms free. So if you happen to be driving, maybe just listen and practice it later. But if your arms are free, then we're going to be doing sort of like a self hug. So take your left hand and place it on top of your right shoulder and take your right hand and place it under your left armpit. You'll find that you're in kind of like a hug position, feels a little self-protective. So find a comfortable position and just notice what happens in your body as you hold this hug. You may find that you want to rock or lean. You may find that your face feels relaxed or that you want to yawn. Whatever it is that your body wants to do, just let it. If you do find that you notice you're relaxing or that you're yawning, then chances are your parasympathetic nervous system is kicking in and your body is calming down quite a bit. It's relaxing. Either way, just notice what happens in your body. If this position feels good to you, then hold it as long as you'd like. But if you feel like you'd like to be done now, then go ahead and release this position. In our last episode, we talked about the role of memory in our stories. And today we're talking about two specific kinds of long-term memory, implicit and explicit, and how those two types of memories function really differently, but both ultimately affect the way we interact with our stories. So let's begin by talking about explicit memories. These are the kinds of memories you think of when you think about having a memory. Explicit memory refers to conscious memory. It's the stuff you're consciously aware of. According to Wikipedia, it is the intentional recollection of factual information, previous experiences, and concepts. In other words, it's really just the stuff that you learn consciously and that you remember consciously. For the purposes of our story work, we can think of explicit memories as like snapshots of the events that you have in your mind. So if you were to think of it in terms of using a camera or a camera phone today, well, you'd think of an explicit memory as what shows up in the frame as you go to take a picture. So think about having a family reunion and everyone lining up to get in the photo and getting ready to take that picture. What shows up in the camera frame, the viewfinder or the phone screen, however you want to think about it, that is the explicit memory. Everything that's happening around you that doesn't show up in the photo, that's the implicit stuff. We'll talk about that in a moment. 
So when you think about your freshman year of high school, what snapshots come into your mind? What images show up? What people do you think of? What experiences stand out? What teachers do you remember? All of the stuff that came to your mind right now, those are your explicit memories related to your freshman year of high school. Pretty simple, right? We could think of explicit memories as being like a scrapbook of our lives. Implicit memories, however, are where things can get a little more complicated. We record implicit memories unconsciously, but they affect us as much, perhaps even more than explicit memories. One common way we use implicit memories is in performing tasks we already know how to do without thinking about them, like riding your bike or tying your shoes. You're not consciously aware maybe of the moment that you learned how to do that, but you're bringing it up and using it much of the time. For the purposes of our story work together, a helpful way of thinking about it is everything that your brain and body records without necessarily the snapshots to go with it. There is so much going on under the surface and being recorded as well as recollected that we are not consciously aware of. Remember taking the picture of the family reunion? If our explicit memories are what shows up in the frame or in the viewfinder, implicit memory is all of what was happening outside the frame. A child was screaming, the sun was in your eyes, your foot was itching, you and your mom got into a fight and you were still mad about it, all while they are snapping that picture. There's a lot going on that our brain is paying attention to and recording. Now, explicit memories start around the ages of four or five. Perhaps the occasional three-year-old will remember some things long-term, but that's basically the beginning of explicit memories. If I asked you to talk about your earliest memories, that's probably about the age, preschool age, that you would begin to remember. That's when we begin to record explicit memories. But our implicit memory has been recording since we were in the womb. For example, you already knew the sound of your mom's voice before she even held you in her arms. How is that possible? Because your implicit memory was already at work. Implicit memory records all of this information because it's valuable to our relationships, our safety, and our survival. It is also part of the reason that we say that with trauma, our body keeps the score. You know, a lot of the time it's hard to tell where the mind ends and the body begins. We used to think about them as separate. Now we think less so, now that we know more about neuroscience. And implicit memories are very closely linked with our body's sensations and reactions. That's also why they say that trauma often comes back as a reaction, not a memory. You might not have an explicit memory about a traumatic event, especially if it happened really early in your life, but your body remembers. And like we talked about last episode, it sorts and records memories according to the things it associates it with. And that, in effect, is what a trigger is. It's like a reaction that's happening inside of our body and our emotions that we may or may not have an explicit memory for. Like, we might not even know why we got triggered. But if you did, there was at least an implicit memory associated. So here's an example of what that could look like. Not such a traumatic one, but something that might happen to anybody. Let's say when you were five, you were playing with some neighbor kids on the swing set in their backyard while their parents were smoking on the back porch. 
maybe their parents were on the phone and they weren't watching very closely because we're going to say it was probably like 80s or 90s and helicopter parents weren't such a big deal back then. Then one of the kids started picking on you and pushing you off the swing. Your knee hit the mulch really hard and you started bleeding. You cried and you ran home and told your mom. Now, you may or may not have an explicit memory of that day. It probably doesn't make your top recordings of all memories. Or maybe it's a buried memory that you rarely ever think of. But sometimes when you're outside and smell cigarette smoke, you find yourself getting anxious or irritable, or you feel like you want to run away. Hmm, the smell of that cigarette smoke got associated with what happened to you and your brain and body remember whether or not you're thinking about the explicit memory. Why does this happen? Because our lower brain works overtime. It's the survival part of the brain, and it wants to protect us and keep us safe. It doesn't want us to wander into danger that we've experienced before, so it's on high alert, and it wants to remind us to keep us safe. But you know, the implicit memories, they can work in good ways as well. Maybe you smell cinnamon and you feel cheerful. It reminds you of your grandmother's house. So how can we use both explicit and implicit memory in our work of telling our stories or becoming bonded to our stories, as Dan Allender says, and like we talked about in the last episode? Our life narrative is mostly made up of explicit memories. That's what we tell people when they ask us about ourselves. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. But if we want to know ourselves better, do some healing work and understanding ourselves, and our stories better, go from being in bondage to our stories to bonded to our stories, then it probably does require some work in the realms of implicit memory as well. And the best way to begin doing that is by beginning to notice and be curious about what our bodies are saying, about what our emotions are saying, about the quick reactions and overreactions that we find ourselves engaging in, I think some of the time it's really hard to do that in the moment, especially if we are triggered. But after the fact, we can look back and think, wow, that was a big reaction. Where did that come from? What about that situation felt overwhelming to me? Or even like we talked about with the cinnamon. Oh, I feel really good when I smell whatever. Or I feel really good when I think about this, this, and this. Huh, I wonder why that is. Like always, I will say that having a trusted and safe person to process with can also be really, really helpful. You know, journaling is also helpful, but being able to talk about it with somebody, maybe somebody who's a very safe person or has known us a long time, has been there for some of our story, that may be a great place to begin processing. But if you do have a history of trauma in your life, finding a trauma-informed therapist is probably the best place to start. Also, if you find that you're not very in tune with your body, because let me tell you, most people are not, then it may be difficult to think about beginning to notice the feedback that your body gives you. Or, like we talked about in the attachment series last year, if emotions are really uncomfortable for you, it may be uncomfortable to begin noticing your emotions. Doing gentle body practices can be helpful for the body stuff, like yoga or massage, I think mindfulness practices can also be helpful for emotions and our bodies. Beginning to notice your emotions when they show up, being able to write about them or talk about them with a safe person 
can also be a helpful way to start. You may find that as you begin to notice your own impulses, reactions, emotions, and sensations, that you begin to have more compassion for yourself and for your story. And maybe that would lead us a little closer to the bonded part rather than the bondage part. And I also want to say that if you're a believer, you can totally invite God to be a part of this practice with you. He's been there for your whole story to begin with. He's with you all the time, and he will lead you gently into the healing places that you need to go. So I want to end today with a practice that might be helpful in examining how explicit and implicit memories work and how they both can affect our stories. This practice originally comes from Dan Siegel, although I may be giving it my own twist. For this, you're going to need a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen. So if you want to pause this right here and go get that and come back, please do that. Or if you want to listen to the rest and then go back and do this part later, please go back and do that as you have the time and availability to do it. This practice is called SIFT, S-I-F-T. It stands for sensations, images, feelings, and thoughts. We might also want to say SIFT B because sometimes I like to add on behaviors, which we'll also talk about. So get a blank piece of paper and I want you to think about one or two events in your life where you experienced a transition or an unexpected surprise. Doesn't have to be a huge or traumatic thing, just some time when a transition happened in your life or something that you didn't expect. Go ahead and write one or two of those events down. Then once you have that in your mind, try to remember the images that come into your mind when you think of that experience. Maybe it's your mom's face or a clock on the wall. So I'll say my mind that I might think of is transitioning in seventh grade to public school. The image that comes to my mind is literally a clock on the wall because the whole year I just wanted to leave and so I would be counting down the time <laughs> till it was time to leave. Any images that come to your mind? And images, I think we could also include sounds. So if there are sounds associated with that thing, go ahead and write that down too. Then I want you to think about sensations that occurred. And by sensations, I mean actually in your body. And that may be fuzzy. Maybe you don't remember all the way. But if you do, go ahead and write them down. So maybe you remember crying. That would be a sensation. Feeling shaky. That would be a sensation. Feeling cold. That might be a sensation. Any sensations that you remember associated with that experience, go ahead and write them down. And then I want you to notice what feelings you have when you think about that time. The feelings that you felt at that time and maybe the feelings you feel now as you think about it. These have to be emotion words. <laughs> if you need an emotion wheel, go look one up on Pinterest or Google real quick. That might help. Like I felt frustrated or I felt unwelcome or I felt afraid or I felt upset or I felt inconsolable. Whatever words feel like what you experienced at that time. And then we're going to write down the thoughts. What thoughts did you have as that experience was unfolding? 
So my thoughts about public school at that time, it did get better, by the way, just so you know, so you're not too worried about me, but it was a tough year. My thoughts were like, why do I have to be here? Why can't I be homeschooled? (laughs) Stuff like that. And then we're going to add one more, B, and that stands for behaviors. What did you do about it? Was there something that you did in reaction to the event that unfolded, or how did you act as it was happening? Did you continue to go through the emotions? Did you yell at someone? Did you run away? Did you problem solve your way through the situation? What do you remember about what you actually did? You know, this practice is really valuable because it gives us helpful information. You know, if somebody were to say to you, tell us about your middle school years, Well, you might not have all that information, but when you think back to specific events that happened and how you felt and how you processed that, now you have so much more valuable information. And in that information, we got some really good, valuable information about explicit and implicit memories. When we talk about implicit memories, what we don't want to do is make memories up. Like we don't want to make up things that are, that happened to us, quote unquote, unconsciously, right? But what we can do is gather like good detectives information about what we know and how we react to things and what we experienced previously to our lives to give us really good understanding of who we are, where we come from, and why we feel the way we do about certain things. And we may also notice, especially if you do that practice over a series of events, that some of those things may be repeated. And that's really helpful information about implicit memory. Do you notice that the behavior that shows up is that you run away? Is that what happens when things get big? That gives us really good information about our implicit memories. Like when hard things happen, my body wants to run away. That's what I did when I was little. That's still what I try to do as an adult or whatever the case may be. Well, friends, I hope that that information was helpful for you. And I also hope and pray that it leads you to the encouragement to begin to notice more about your own story and maybe to be curious about the stories of those around you. And that's all for today's episode. And as always, I'd like to leave you with a benediction as you continue on this week in what comes next in your story. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus.